Hi Redeemer King, Andy Kine here with you for the first time in 2021 and um, doing the next part of Philippians, Philippians 1 uh, verses 12 to 26. I've read this passage over and over, probably more than I've read any passage that I've ever preached on um, and it's amazing actually, you know the situation that we're in do you remember when we did Nehemiah and it seemed to really fit with what we were going through? Again, I think Philippians really just speaks prophetically to, to how we are um, and how things are. And I beseech you this morning to let this passage speak to you. Don't just use this as a chance to log in and say that you watched the talk. Let the words, not my words, but the words of the passage, the words of God, impact you this morning. It says in Hebrews, if you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart. Let this passage vaccinate you against your own pride and your own brokenness. You see, with a vaccine, with any kind of vaccine, it's actually got to pierce you before it can heal you. You've got to let it go into your skin and pierce you and wound you. And that's when the healing comes. And reading this, I felt very pierced by, by the words. So just an encouragement, uh, just a request, please. Take this really seriously. And, um, and we'll go through it. We'll go through it verse by verse. Do you know why the gospel is offensive? The gospel is offensive because it shatters illusions. The gospel is offensive. It shatters illusions. It speaks to how life actually is. It might seem ironic if you're watching this and you wouldn't call yourself a, a Christian, but Christianity is really concerned with facts, the facts of life, of how life actually is. And that's why it's offensive. It's not offensive because it's a, a fairy story. It's, it's offensive because... It speaks to how life actually is. It shatters people's illusions. Our, our problem is that we don't want to see life as it really is. We want to see life as we want to see it. We have been deceived by culture and society and all the things that you know, lead us astray. But we've also allowed ourselves to be deceived. We've deceived ourselves into thinking that life should be a certain way. And so we get offended when we read in God's word, actually, no, life's like this. You can't be vaccinated by the gospel if you don't want to see life as it actually is. And I'm, I'm talking here to the Christians. A lot of us have been raised in schools of Christian thought that actually are much more to do with, you know, capitalism or prosperity, comfort seeking than they are to do with biblical Christianity. So here we go. We're going to go through it. But the gospel is offensive because it shatters illusions. Once you have those illusions shattered and you can see through that, that pain, that pain of shattered glass into the reality outside, that's when the gospel starts to really have an impact. And the job of a preacher is not to tell you what you want to hear. That's the job of a, a life coach or a self-help guru. The job of a preacher is to help you reframe your mind so that the truth fits well into it. So, you know, you don't have to go around 
You don't have to go around as a Christian believing that it's great to be alive. <laughs> That's a, it's a lie. It's not sin to think that it's hard to be alive. You don't have to go around and say, hey, oh, it's great to be alive. Life is amazing. It's not sinful to say that life is really hard and sometimes rubbish. Once we've accepted that that can be the case, that there is still hope. There is still a better story. Life has texture. Let's start. Verse 12. So the, the subtitle, the heading is Paul's chains advance the gospel. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul realises that his circumstances, the circumstances he's in, he's in prison, potentially in Rome, he's literally chained up. He realises that the circumstances he's in are not as important as what he does with those circumstances, as how he reframes them. See, he's actually really good here. And this is the model for how we should react. He's really good at reframing the situation to his own benefit. So it works out for his deliverance. And it's amazing, you know, the battle is in the mind. When we reframe things, it helps us to, in, in an effective way, it helps us to actually carry on going. I used to, um, when I was a new comedian, uh, 16 years ago, uh, yesterday, I uh, started doing comedy for the first time. And I used to have some wealthy friends I'd stay with when I was doing gigs. And I was a, a poor young comedian. I'd staying in their house and I saw all these, you know, things that they had and I had nothing. I mean, I didn't, I didn't steal anything because, you know, the Bible says, thou shalt not steal. However, nowhere does the Bible say, thou shalt not swap. And I did a, a lot of that, you know, took the plasma TV, left an etch -a sketch, um, took the money from the safe, left a Monopoly set. I didn't really, but this is the point I'm making that actually... The way we reframe things helps us to move forward and to make progress. And sometimes you just, like a jigsaw puzzle, you just need to get things in your mind in a certain way, like a jigsaw puzzle piece. It doesn't fit in until it's in the right place. It doesn't fit until it's been reframed and reshaped. And our thinking just needs to be slightly altered, I think, for us to see the picture of what God is doing. So, verse 13. What's happened to me has served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. This is what he's done. He's flipped it. He's in chains for Christ. And it's become clear to everybody that that's the case. The palace guards are there and they are seeing they're looking at Paul with his shackles on and they are seeing that actually there is a power at work greater than iron or steel. They can see Paul, their prisoner, and they can see by the way he's acting, by the way he's conducting himself, that the thing he's actually chained to is the grace of God and the love of Christ. You're going to be chained to something. You will be chained by how you see life. You will be chained by how you see your situation. And Paul would say to us, just flip it. Unshackle yourself from your mentality that's keeping you chained and chain yourself to Christ. Chain yourself to the source of love and light and life. Paul 
lets his prison become his playground. Paul lets his prison become his playground. A lot of us feel like we're imprisoned at the moment. It doesn't take a lot for us to get to a place where we can say, actually, you know what? I can, I can, I can live here. I can, I live in this place. My prison can become my playground. And, and the way to do it, I mean, I've got nothing but the gospel for this situation. The way to do it is to say, you know what? I'm not chained to my circumstances. I'm chained to Christ, who is sovereign over all. The sustainer of all things is sustaining me. You know, 2020 was a year, wasn't it, where we, as Christians in the West, we realised that God is not our entertainer. He is our sustainer. But that's good news. And that's one of the beliefs we had to unchain ourselves from, that God was there to make our lives better. So many Christians in the West have been battered by this false belief. You know, Jesus didn't go to the trouble of dying on the cross, so you could offer him a job as your personal butler. We have to see things as they actually are. Once our illusions have been shattered, the gospel is the most beautiful thing, the most amazing story, which brings love and light and life and joy and, and hope. Let's carry on. Verse 14. Because of my change, most of the brothers and sisters, not all, but most, have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Because of what he's modelling, the other, the other Christians around him have started to lift their heads up. They started to lift their heads up, become a bit confident. Uh, they, you know, these are people. Their land has been annexed by the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire dangerous empire in the ancient world. They've been imprisoned, they're being persecuted, some of them will be killed. And they've started to proclaim the gospel without fear because they realised that they had been chained to their fear and now they are chaining themselves to Christ. They're chaining themselves to something greater than their circumstances. They're looking above and beyond their circumstances to God who is their companion and their Lord, and who will have the final say. So what Paul is modelling is turning the tide. You know, the, the gospel, the gospel doesn't begin in an idyllic setting. The, the earliest of the four gospels is, is Mark, and right at the start of that it says, um, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. You know, the, the, the good news, the gospel begins in the wilderness. If you're waiting for this situation to pass so that you can get back to you know, being a Christian or, or, or serving God, you, you've got it wrong. All you need to do is reframe it. You don't need to be ashamed. You just need to change the way you, you're seeing it. But the gospel begins in the wilderness. And if you're feeling in the wilderness, well, that's a great place to receive the gospel, to engage with the good news that God is with you. You're not alone in the universe and he bought you at a price and death has no hold over you. Now, what's interesting is that um, it says they're now proclaiming the gospel without fear. It doesn't say they're proclaiming it without pain or without um, difficulty or without the threat of things going wrong. Just without fear. They're not bound by their circumstances. They're not chained by their circumstances. And again, you know, being in pain, it's really clear to say this, really important that I say this clearly. 
Being in pain is not sinful. Being sad is not sinful. Being exhausted is not sinful. Towards the end of last year, I said to the Redeemer King leadership, I'm going to need some time off in the new year because I'm just exhausted emotionally. I've got nothing left to give out. I feel as though I've survived quite well all through the year and I've done what I need to do, but I've been in survival mode. I haven't thrived. I've just been in survival mode and now I'm just running on fumes and I'm just, I'm just completely uh, done in. I just need to take myself off the front line for a bit. And maybe you feel like that and great. So do it. If you need rest, then rest. If you need to, if you can and you need to take some time off from something, well, well, do that. The point I'm making is that it's not, you shouldn't feel guilty that you feel sad or that you feel in, in pain. Again, the gospel's offensive because it doesn't say you'll never feel pain or um, pain isn't going to ever affect you. What it does say is that you don't need to languish in your pain. And some of us want to languish in our pain. Some of us want to languish in our brokenness. Some of us just want to feel sorry for ourselves. And the gospel says, no, 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 that's not, that's not the way for you. That's not what I've called you to. Verse 16, he goes on. Um, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here. So again, he's saying, look, I am. I'm put here. It's not how I'd like my life to be, but I'm, I am where I am. I have been put here. We have been put here. We are where we are. Once we understand the context, once we understand how life actually is, then we can make progress. I'm put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. I love this bit. What does it matter? <laughs> what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Let's just quickly look, about, look at the... Um, phrase what does it matter now I, you see people going around at the moment saying oh nothing matters it's all pointless everything's without hope you know what you're halfway there <laughs> without christ it is all pointless it is it is pointless you are hopeless if you don't have christ but because of christ everything has a point everything matters god will use everything he will redeem the lows and repeat the highs but he will use everything and he will waste nothing if you continue to opt in to being alive to being a follower of Jesus to engaging with him he will not let this time be wasted but you've got to opt in you've got to chain yourself to him and not to your sense of self-pity or false expectation or you know broken ambition you can't you can't sit there so it is pointless if you don't have Christ the important thing is that in every way Christ is preached think about the things that Paul might have said in that situation he's in prison think about the things that he might have said the the important thing here is that my human rights are respected 
The important thing here is that people are sensitive to my emotional triggers. The important thing is that I am allowed to sit in this brokenness and claim that it's part of the healing journey. The important thing here is that God fixes this situation for me. He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say any of that. He says the important thing, while I'm here in prison, about to be killed maybe, while my entire life has been kiboshed by this preaching the gospel malarkey, the important thing is that the gospel is preached. Why? Why? Because without the love of God, you are chained. Without the love of God, you are chained to something that will kill you, that will ultimately destroy you. So chain yourself to Christ. The gospel is the, is the only vaccination for sin, the only vaccination for despair. Let it wound you. He goes on to say, because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. It's a choice. You search for happiness, you dig for joy. Rejoicing isn't pretending that things are as they're not. It's not pretending that life isn't as it is. It's not forcing yourself to think positively. You know, hope and optimism are not the same thing. Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness depends on happenings. Joy depends on Christ. And we see this here. He says, yes, I will continue to rejoice. There's a lovely defiance about him. I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision, so God works in partnership with us. People's prayers are working. Praying for one another helps. It makes a difference. It partners with God. And God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And we'll just go on a little bit. I eagerly expect and hope. So he doesn't just hope, he expects. He has, he doesn't demand, he's not entitled, but he, he expects because he knows that the God he serves is a God who loves to bless, who loves to move. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, one of the most famous verses in the New Testament, here we go. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. This is the ultimate reframing. Paul has reframed it so that the game is rigged in his favour. And this is the case for you. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are unbeatable, ultimately. Because your great enemy, death, can't touch you. Death, where is your sting? To live is Christ, to die is gain. If you die, well, you'll gain Christ. You'll gain paradise for eternity with him. But to live is Christ, who is the source of the things that you really need. Love and joy and hope and peace and freedom. Paul is reframing this. The game is rigged in our favour, but we have to play the game. We have to, every day, get up, put on our kit and go out onto the pitch.
We can't lose, but we can refuse to play. So let's not refuse to play. He says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. So again, Paul isn't saying, oh, life's great. I love being in prison. He doesn't love it. He, wa <laughs> he wants to be dead so he can be with Jesus. But he understands that actually fullness of life starts now. The greatest relationship that we were made for, that beloved other, that relationship where you will never be rejected, you can start to experience now. You can have it now. And you can live in that place. Wherever you're living physically, spiritually, you can always be in a place of rest and joy and peace. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I desire to depart and be with Christ. But he's going to stay where he is. He knows that while he's here, while he's been put here, there's stuff for him to do. Alexander uh, Solzhenitsyn, who uh, was a, a Russian uh, Christian, but a very Russian, a very famous Russian writer. He was very Russian. Um, he said, in prison, a human being confronts his grief face to face. This is the highest form of moral effort. In prison, a human being confronts his grief face to face. This is the highest form of moral effort. Again, the reality for you, for me, for us, is that we are imprisoned in our situation. We are grieving. We're grieving what we've lost. We're grieving the fact that life hasn't turned out as we wanted it to be. And that's why we're exhausted, because it's coming to terms with that, coming face to face with reality is exhausting. It's moral effort. But once you start to do that, once you start to realise, OK, I am in prison. I am in pain. My life has fallen apart. Then you see the creator of the universe holding out his hand to you and saying, come with me if you want to live. It's going to be OK. Because I'm here and I'm with you and I'm for you. Chain yourself to me. Then it won't, won't matter where the roller coaster goes. It can plunge down into darkness. You'll be strapped into me and you'll be safe in me, secure in me. So Paul says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know I will remain. So he's just resolute. So, okay, well, this is how it is. So let's get on with it. At the, the prayer night uh, on Wednesday, I think it was Jean said, um, it's interesting how we're not all feeling down at the same time. And it's true, and that's really good. You know, without, without the moral support and prayer of people before Christmas, when I was really just on my knees emotionally, you know, I wouldn't have been able to bounce back in, in, in the same way. And so as a church, we want to be a community as much as we can who look out for one another. We don't condemn other people for feeling down and feeling exhausted, but we just encourage them towards Christ. All we've got is Christ. That is the answer. 
We have to keep encouraging each other to spend time with him. And that verse, I will continue to rejoice, just hit me so much. that, In fact, I actually had um, someone design this for me. I paid quite a bit of money. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. I'm going to have it on my wall as my verse for the year. Because, you know, I, I don't know that I've felt very happy a lot of the time over the last year, but happiness is not joy. Joy is a choice. And I'm choosing it. I'll continue to rejoice. And the more you choose joy, the more you choose hope, the more you will feel better anyway. So we're nearly done, very nearly done. Christianity is not primarily about behaviour. What we're not saying is, you just need to behave well and be obedient to God's commands. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, snap out of it and just get on with things. That's not what's being said. We're not saying deny your pain. Jesus at the cross is the ultimate acknowledgement of pain and brokenness. But the cross isn't the end of the story, the resurrection is. So you get to a point where you have to understand, I, I can't sit here anymore. I can't, I'm not gonna sit in this pain chained to it by choice. But Christianity is not primarily about behavior. Christianity is about behavior in the same way that having a Sunday roast is about having a big poo. You know, you have a Sunday roast, well, you, you will do a, a big poo, but that's not why you've had the roast. Your behavior will change when you choose Christ, but that's not why you choose Christ. You choose Christ because of the real joy, the real peace. Paul would say to us in our situation, he would say to me and, and, and maybe to you, you're not chained by this pandemic. You're chained by your expectations of how life should be. He would say, you're not held captive by the coronavirus. You're held captive by your false assumptions of what God should do for you. This is why the gospel is offensive. Because it does say, at some point, you need to get rid of that pride at some point you need to pull yourself together and see life as it really is and accept the offer of salvation and redemption that the Lord and only the Lord offers you. Carl said in his talk last week, it's interesting when you're going through a tough time, God's not obsessed with the fact that you're going through a tough time. <laughs> He's obsessed with you. His thoughts about you are more numeral than, uh, numerous than grains of sand on a beach. But he's not obsessed with the fact you're going through a tough time because he knows that's how you'll grow and he knows he's got you. So Paul would want us, I think, to first of all accept how hard things are. Accept it. Don't try and convince ourselves that everything's great. But then he'd want us to unshackle ourselves from our pride, 
our petulance, our false expectations. Just sit in the reality of how life is and chain ourselves to the love of Jesus. Choose joy. Choose Christ. No more buts, no excuses. Life can be rubbish and feels rubbish. And yet, nevertheless, chain yourself to Christ. Let his love into your life. And you'll start to see your prison becoming your playground. You'll start to feel that peace that only he offers. Because you realise you're not in control. You give him control of your life. And that's when things change, I think. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. My prayer is that you will as well. Have a good day.